0: Hello, and welcome back to the Policy Matters Podcast, episode 15: A Paradigm Shift in Transportation. My name is Scott Mallory, and I'm here today with our very special guest, Allison Akers. We are going to be talking about the American's Job Plan generally, but more specifically, we're going to be talking about the provisions providing for enhancement in electrical vehicles. To that end, our wonderful guest today is Allison from our awesome office out in Boston. Allison, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hi, Scott. I'd love to. My name is Allison Eggers. I am a partner in our Boston office where my practice focuses primarily in the automotive franchise space, meaning that I uh, represent and work with auto manufacturers on all sorts of issues ranging from their incentive programs to their network management issues and then into disputes that they have with the dealer networks.
0: Excellent. Uh, That's Super interesting and quite the quite the topical uh, practice focus to have as this gigantic package <laughs> makes its way through and transportation being such a gigantic component. Of course, the Republicans would like it to be the only component of this bill, but I don't think that, that that's how it's going to play out. Indeed, we noted the very outset of this podcast that we're recording on the same day that the republicans have offered their counter proposal that gets close to the trillion dollars that that joe biden requested in their counter offer but not quite there the republican counter offer consists solely of traditional infrastructure so it really isn't topical or related to exactly what we're going to talk about the issue that we want to talk about is the electrical vehicle issue which is still a pertinent uh legislative issue regardless uh, you know, what has happened with the Republican counter proposal. And I think we're going to talk a little bit later about how maybe that could get broken up and passed through regular form or through reconciliation. So regardless of how the, the sort of package proceeds mechanically, what does the package include as far as electrical vehicles housing?
1: So looking at the American Jobs Plan, and this is, as you know, as proposed by the Biden administration, That plan includes about $174 billion to promote electric vehicles and, importantly, EV charging stations. It also has a significant amount of money, somewhere around $100 billion, for incentives to customers who purchase EVs. But only about $15 billion to install a half a million chargers across the country. Now, that's definitely a lot of money, but the plan sets a goal to install EV chargers across the entire country. 500,000 of them by 2030. So $15 billion, while it will uh, get us a a good investment and a good expansion of charging capabilities, you know, it's certainly not enough to cover all of the charging needs that consumers are going to have as we move forward, particularly given the expectation that consumers are going to be increasingly willing to purchase EV-only vehicles. The plan is going to also try to establish grants and incentive programs for state and local governments, and also for the private sector that would build some of the charging stations that we're going to need going forward.
0: Interesting. So you know, you know we look at this issue, and it's it's so it's it's great from a sort of uh, just theoretical perspective, but we also, as lawyers, have to think about the logistics of how this thing's going to be played out, right? So the problem seems to be, I mean, just taking it back to a personal level. I speak to my progressive friends out here in California, a lot of which went from, you know, my college to Silicon Valley, and they love all the electrical cars, but the number one issue that dissuades them is a lack of a convenient location for charging. Um, Indeed, my own wife, who's driven a Prius since 2005, is incredibly environmentally conscious, and she's exceedingly interested in purchasing an electrical vehicle, but we haven't done so mainly because our garage is disconnected from our home and it doesn't have an outlet. And we're, we're the lucky ones. We live in downtown of an urban center here in Sacramento. I have to park on the street. We're lucky to have one garage, but that garage doesn't have a charging station, right? So to that end, Allison, I mean, my California progressive friends and my wife and I aren't alone in this this problem, right?
1: Not at all. Not at all. You know, if you look at what consumer surveys tell us, you know, we can see that what you and your wife or what your friends are feeling, this sort of anxiety about charging. Is a very common, even predominant sort of theme in people's thinking about whether or not they want to take the EV plunge, and it's it's closely connected. You know, this anxiety about whether or not you're going to be able to find a charge to what a lot of uh, outlets have described as range anxiety. You know, the idea of how far can yeah. I go before I need to charge, and oh, what if I can't find a charging station? Um, and that plays heavily into people's thinking about EVs. Consumer Reports did a survey late last year that asked respondents who did not already definitely plan to buy an EV for their next vehicle, right? So we're talking about people who are still leaning toward the internal combustion engine or maybe a hybrid as opposed to a pure EV. So they asked these potential purchasers what the factors were that were holding them back from taking the plunge. And respondents could select up to three responses out of a list of a dozen or 15. And the top response at 48%, was not enough public charging stations. And then insufficient driving range came in third at 42%. You know, and those two concepts are closely linked and they play very heavily in the way that people are thinking about whether or not they wanna buy an EV. So that anxiety is very real and it is impacting consumer spending on EVs in potentially powerful ways.
0: No, range anxiety is such a such a great term. And I just thought of something, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, Allison, and if you don't, that's totally fine. But do you know if during the COVID pandemic, when people don't have to drive as much or as far, if sort of that range anxiety has decreased or if the sale of electrical vehicles has gone up? Now, this is just a random thought I had. I don't know if you know that information or not.
1: But, you know, so there were a couple of surveys that I took a look at, you know, in preparation for our conversation today from the 2018-2019 time period. And the numbers were a little bit higher on some of those for people who cited lack of charging stations, and we'll call it range anxiety, uh, (laughs) the biggest drawbacks to purchasing the EV. So we've seen it go down a little bit over the last couple of years. But, you know, that same Consumer Reports survey that I was just talking about, One of the things that they also asked people was, you know, what is the range that an EV would have to have before you would consider purchasing it? And fully 25% of people who responded said it would have to have a range of 400 miles or more. You know, and again, this is December of 2020. So obviously, COVID and, you know, the dramatic downward trend in our driving habits over that period didn't really do a lot to change the way that people Mm -hmm. think about what they have to have in terms of range.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, People here in uh, Sacramento are still buying gigantic trucks, so it clearly hasn't made that much of a difference for some people. So I think I want to just quickly shift gears here. I would like to know a little bit about what you think these incentive programs would look like. And I know that when we spoke earlier, I mentioned Pasco Romano, the president and CEO of EV Charging Station. ChargePoint, which is a huge, just a gigantic, I will note that they also have seen some political contributions from ChargePoint come through here in California. An Interesting point as well. That CEO said the government money, specifically that $15 billion allocation, will stimulate private sector investment, maybe charging infrastructure throughout the entire United States. So I guess a two-part question, Allison, is what do you think the government incentives program would look like? And do you really think that sort of uh, a private equity, as Pascal Romano said recently, would, would get us to the point that we need to get to have enough infrastructure to have a sort of uh, non-emissions fleet?
1: Yeah, let me take those in order. So yeah. you know, your first question is, what do those incentives look like? You know, and the answer is we really don't know because nothing is fully written out. We haven't developed the programs that are going to come out of this funding. We do know that some of the funding is proposed to be given as grants. So, for example, we might see grants through DOT to expand you know, coverage along the national highway system or in rural areas, for example. Um, for the rest of it, you know, there's a variety of possibilities. Rebates and tax credits are certainly going to play into the mix, probably very heavily, uh, because we've already seen great success with those programs, both at the state and the federal level. And I think that transitions us to your second question, which was, you know, how, you know, how do we see private investment, whether it's private equity in a true PE sort of sense, or yeah. if it's simply private investment, um, you know, how does that mix in? And, you know, the reality is that $15 billion isn't going to get this done uh, in yeah. terms of fully electrifying the, the country, and nobody expects it to. And if you look at the way that, particularly the tax credits and the rebates, Uh, you know, that sort of structure, you know, those are incentives that are designed to elicit private investment, right? Um, And so I think the reality is that much of the progress that we've made in installing charging stations has been already through private investment, whether it's a consumer installing a home charging station or parking garages, stores installing stations, companies like ChargePoint. Um, And I think the public-private partnership, or at least some public funding for private investments is gonna be necessary to really drive that forward. Now, I'm gonna turn the tables here and commandeer the host seat. I hope you don't mind. Um, I doubt it all. You, of course, you are the, the policy expert here. Uh, and so I wanna make sure that we get to some of the what's next questions for the legislation. And maybe this is a really basic question, but I think it's worth asking, because we've been talking about how far $15 billion is gonna go or or not go as the case may be. So, you know, could money from one provision of the American Jobs Plan be reallocated to the appropriation for charging stations? Like is that something that could happen at this
0: point? Yeah, that's that's absolutely something that could happen. I mean, indeed, all we've seen is a fact sheet from the White House and these sort of broad proposals, counter proposals that sort of Bloomberg government or Politico Pro is reporting on, but we haven't seen any real legislative language yet. So you know, the legislation could certainly be reallocated and moved around, especially, you know, if if part of the package is going to go through regular order and the other package, part of the package is going to go through reconciliation with only Democratic votes. That reconciliation portion, they could really move a lot of money around over there because they wouldn't have to, you know, they wouldn't be concerned about sort of any kind of Republican opposition here. But, you know, the Republicans are are concerned About the way that electrical vehicles are being called infrastructure, or like charging stations are being called infrastructure. Indeed, Senator Susan Collins, who is, I'm sure, all of our listeners are very, very aware, Um, she's clearly very concerned about who will be a key part of this legislation. She had a hearing with uh, Transportation Secretary Buttigieg recently, and she basically just came out and asked him, "Is like, why is there more money allocated for?" Uh, transportation infrastructure, uh, the electrical vehicle issue, than some of the other more traditional infrastructure that only has, say, $175 billion allocated. This has been one of the main attacks that the Republicans have levied against the infrastructure proposal since the very beginning. And it's not just the Republicans, it's moderate Democrats like Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema as well. So obviously, you're going to have to worry about them. So I don't want to come out here and say, this Republican package is going to pass through regular order and the rest is going to pass through reconciliation because we just don't know. Indeed, Joe Biden's going to Ohio today to give a speech about infrastructure and transportation. Maybe he'll come out and say, we're going to take this Republican counterproposal and do nothing else. Now, that's not going to happen, but it could happen. So I think that, you know, listeners should stay tuned to this podcast space as well as the Policy Matters newsletter where we'll be continuing to follow this issue specifically. Allison, do you have any other questions, or does that sufficiently answer your question? I know it's very vague right now, so it's kind of difficult.
1: As you were just talking through some of that, I was thinking, okay, well, what's next for the legislation? But it sounds like the answer is we don't know, uh, and we probably won't know for you know maybe some time.
0: You know, I think there are some people that know, but that's about five out of 330 million people in the United States. And not us.
1: We should be and clear. Not <laughs>
0: us. We're, not, we're not part of that five, Allison. But, you know, I think that it's going to be really hard for the president to change any of the sort of numbers that, and this is just me pontificating, right? I think it's going to be really hard for him to change any of the numbers that he laid out months ago, even the numbers that he laid out when he's campaigning and the fact sheet at the beginning of January. I just think it's going to be really difficult politically. For him to do an about face on those numbers even if that passes through reconciliation so i don't think the package is going to get any bigger unless they move some of that money around
1: yeah interesting well we'll keep an eye on it um and yeah and, and keep calling us
0: we'll keep reporting on this story and in this space thank you so much everyone for joining we appreciate it and stay tuned